1: Hey, hey, thanks for being here today. As always, folks, I always look forward to spending this hour with you. And we have a really cool topic today. I'm I'm very, very excited. And we're here to tell you that you no longer have to be a famous leader, a doctor, a spiritual guru, or anyone other than who you are to publish a book. And who knows, perhaps even hit the bestseller's list. Coaches, speakers, therapists, marketing mavens, moms, dads, and people who just have a great story are publishing books every day now. And many of them actually do make it to the best sellers list on Amazon. And even if that's not your goal, it's a great idea for any business owner to write a book. You know what? Today we're here to talk about why and how... People like home inspectors, insurance agents, and even dog walkers are publishing books to grow their businesses, and it works. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, even if you've already published, stay tuned, because we're also going to be talking about creative ways to get that book out there and open doors that may have never opened otherwise. Today, author and founder of the Nonfiction Authors Association, Stephanie Chandler, joins us and we're going to talk about book publishing and promotion strategies that can help you grow your business and generate revenues. Okay, that's the really 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 cool part, can generate revenues. So, you're going to learn why self-publishing is on the rise in both print and ebook formats and how you can build an audience online with social media because if you're promoting a book, you have to have to have to have those social media followers, whether you're traditionally published or you're self-published. That's very key. And ways to leverage a book to create business opportunities and grow those revenues. So what do you think? Just like I promised you, a very cool show, right? And I would like to welcome Stephanie Chandler to The Million Dollar Mindset.
2: Marla, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here on this Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah, good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here, Stephanie, because this is just. One of my favorite topics. I have so many peers and and uh, clients and friends who are publishing, and you're right; it's just it's it's happening every day now. And and you are truly an expert because you've authored nine books, and from what I understand, you have you've gone both by the traditional publishing route as well as self-publishing. I'd love to hear a little bit about your stories on on which side, and maybe even we can talk briefly about pros and cons as you see them. But tell us a little bit about your publishing journey, Stephanie.
2: Yeah, thank you. I have done both traditional self-publishing. It all started for me back in uh, 2003. I quit my Silicon Valley sales job and opened a 2,800-square-foot bookstore in Sacramento. Wow. And my big master plan was I was going to sit in that back office and write novels. And, um, <sighs> y- you know, the universe throws you curveballs because, um, first of all, I hated running a retail store. Uh-huh. And, I th- and I completely lacked the imagination to write fiction. I just um, – but I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write. was compelled to write. And I um, had all these friends from the Silicon Valley driving up to Sacramento wanting to see the store. And they were all telling me they, they felt stuck. They wanted to have the courage to do what I did, and but they felt trapped in their jobs. And I thought, gosh, you know, I wonder if I could help them realize there could be life after corporate America, which I'm sure you probably speak to your clients about quite a bit. And that's what spawned this whole nonfiction thing. So I wrote my first book. It was a business startup guide. I reached out to agents um, and got a lot of responses back. And my favorite was a call from Michael Larson, who's an agent in San Francisco. And he said, I like what you're doing, but nobody knows who you are. You know, you've got to go out and build an audience. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, I just left the rat race. I don't really want to get out on the road. He told me I should be speaking to thousands of people each year. And I thought, well, you know, what could I do instead of becoming a road warrior? What could I do with the Internet? And truthfully, I had no idea what I was doing. I launched a website called businessinfoguide.com. My goal was to attract my target audience, which at that time was aspiring entrepreneurs. And basically, I started writing articles and sharing resources. And the more content I put on the site, the more traffic the site received. I was essentially blogging before I even knew what blogging was. Mm -hmm. And I decided to self-publish that first book. I listed it for sale two months before it was in print, and it started selling immediately. And really got and, the power to of what, the internet.
1: Okay, so so you credit your success with those immediate sales to the fact that you had you know built this website and you were blogging, one of f- first bloggers, a pioneer, if you will, like myself, and and so people were following you already, and so probably very excited when when your book came out, right?
2: Yeah, I, basically, I was building an audience you know and doing it bit by bit day by day i sent my first e-newsletter out to 8 people you know and <laughs> today it's thousands of people but you got to start somewhere and um and i was just kind of figuring it out as i went along and and so after that i wrote uh, my next book i i wanted to sell information products from the site ebooks and downloadable reports and things like that and I turned to Amazon to find a book on how to do that, and there wasn't a book available. So I studied how other people were selling their products digitally, and put together my first two products, put them up for sale. They started selling immediately. Thought, wow, well, this is pretty cool. So I wrote a book called From Entrepreneur to Infopreneur, and it was about you know how to make money with information products. And I sent a proposal out to exactly two publishers. And the difference this time said i had an audience i was able to come to them and say i have a tr- high traffic website a growing mailing list and i had a deal about a month later with john Wiley and Sons for that book and mm-hmm. that was a game changer then i signed with an agent sold a couple more books um the site grew you know exponentially i was getting invitations to speak and consult because of the book because of the power of a book i found a whole new career i never even planned on so I was able to sell that you know, darn bookstore and go into consulting and speaking full-time and then mm-hmm. eventually launched my own publishing company because so many people were asking me how to get their books published. So it's kind of this crazy, windy, twisty journey down a path I never expected, but I've loved every bit of it
1: yeah yeah it does the universe does bring us the unexpected but if you if you anticipate it i think good comes out of it all so and it sounds like that's what's happened for you and uh you mentioned stephanie the um the speaking opportunities that it opened for you and boy, i want to say i i I hear that all the time and I have an acquaintance who just published his first book, Um, Brian Basilico just published, It's Not About You, It's About the Bacon and It's Relationship Marketing uh, Strategies for Social Media and uh, he said all of a sudden paying speaking opportunities are coming his way in abundance And, and that's a difference you know I'm sure he didn't have any problem getting speaking gigs but the paying speaking gigs can make the difference to the bottom line, would you agree
2: oh there's no question and i I know i'm a member of nsa the national speakers Mm -hmm. association and i mean it is clear through that membership everyone needs a book it absolutely elevates your speaking career um it just opens a tremendous amount of doors It, it adds credibility and at this point you know businesses and conferences and the people who hire speakers expect you to have a book and if you don't have a book they want to know where's your book you know so, yep, yep. Um, they definitely go hand in hand
1: so what do you say to the people who who say oh, gosh yes i'm an expert in this and this and this but i really don't know what to write about or how to make it unique or how to catch you know catch the eye of, of my prospective readers how are, are there programs people should go through or systems or how does that happen
2: Well, yeah, I mean, there's certainly book coaches and things like that that you can work with to help you pull a book out of you. Um, You know, my philosophy with writing books, you know, nonfiction books we're talking about here, is to sit down and look at what are the questions that you're answering over and over and over again with your prospects and clients because that is great insight into what kind of book you should be writing. You know, what are processes that you teach them? Can you teach people how to do what it is that you do? These are all things that make great content for a book that will sell well and will attract an audience. So, you know, sit down and brainstorm that. What are you doing repeatedly? What are you answering repeatedly? Um, You know, how could you teach people um, your process and your way of doing things? Because that is unique in itself. And I see a lot of people really struggle with fear around writing a book and, You know, but there's other people who know more than I do. Well, of course, you know, no matter what industry you're in and who you are, there's always somebody who knows something different or maybe even more than you do. But you know what you do best. And I really, you know, encourage people to own that. Own what what you do well. If you don't know what that is, ask your clients. Ask your friends. Ask people who will give you good feedback. What are my strengths? What do I do well? And own that as you write your book because it's going to help you stand out. You don't want to repeat a book that's already been written. You do want to find your unique angle, much like your own business, right? When you're positioning your business, what's unique about you? What is your niche? What's special? Bring that into your book, and you'll have a winning strategy.
1: Some great tips and advice there, Stephanie. Thank you so much. And we're going to be going into break pretty soon. So I just want to tell our audience that you can find Stephanie at Stephanie Chandler, C H A N dler.com, as well as uh, businessinfoguide.com, businessinfoguide.com. Lots of great information out there, and Stephanie is also the founder of the Nonfiction Authors Association. And you can find more information. About that at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. Again, lots of great information over there. And when we come back from this break, we are going to talk more about not just how to publish and, and which route is is the best, if there is a best route to publish, but also. Uh, how you can promote that book and build that social media audience a little bit more and, and how to leverage the book to create great opportunities for you and your business.
0: The secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka, and we'll be right back after these. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on TogiNet.com. They survived and thrived, and you can, too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you will be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian Mcnenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, on Toginet.com. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on Tokenet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Since Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor, Alexander Vasily.
1: And we're here today with the founder of the Nonfiction Authors Association, which is a community providing marketing education for members and a year-round nonfiction book awards program. Lots of good information over there at that membership community. And you can learn more about it at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. And Stephanie Chandler is here. Stephanie, let's talk, because I'm curious about this, let's talk a little bit about ebook versus book, book, a published book, you know, with self-publishing, making the publishing world so much more accessible every day to, to everyday business owners and authors, um, are eBooks still on the rise? Are they still a viable way to get your content out there or are they kind of fading into the distant past?
2: Well, they're not fading. The ebook sales have leveled out. You know, the last couple of years we've just seen ebook sales skyrocketing, and now we're seeing them level out, and that's a good thing. They're not they're not declining; they're leveling out, and um, there are definitely opportunities. And I get asked all the time by authors, "Well, shouldn't I just publish it as an ebook? Aren't people aren't even reading print anymore?" And that's not the case. People are absolutely still reading print, and what we're finding with our clients is. Print book sales and ebook sales tend to keep pace with each other, at least in the nonfiction space. So if you're thinking about publishing a book, I still strongly recommend that you do both formats, both an ebook and a printed book. And keep in mind too, that printed book comes with that extra credibility. So your media people, the people booking you for speaking, they want to see a physical book and they may not take an ebook as seriously. So, I, I certainly still recommend doing both. And I suspect that's where we're headed that print books aren't going away the way we feared that it's shifting. But there's certainly still and always will be a need for them.
1: Okay, right. And so now, would you put books that are available on, on Nook and, um, I'm sorry, what's the other one? Kendall. Um, Kendall. Do you, do you put them in the ebook category?
2: Yeah,
1: oh absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, well the benefit there too is that if you have a print book, it can also be available on Nook and Kindle. Right? And
2: it should be. No question. And it should be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up. Because I'm still thinking in the old fashioned mode, the ebook is something you go to somebody's website and read, you know, download the PDF yeah, right. and read. But <laughs> so okay. Very, very good. All right. So um you know, in my opening, I mentioned that even like home inspectors, I mean, I happen to know a home inspector and a guy who installs upscale lighting. And these guys published little small books. And I'll tell you what, they have just grown their business so much because of these books, because they they hand them out. They're just small, like the five by five things or whatever the measurement is. They just hand them out like business cards. And it, it people seem to take them so much more seriously, like they're a true expert in their field. Um, talk to us a little bit about that concept.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yes. Books are such a great way to um, get referrals and impress potential clients and, and things like that. I, I hear these kinds of stories all the time. Um, there's a, a lady here in Sacramento, Carol Delser, who wrote a parenting book several years ago. She is a family law attorney, so she handles you know divorce cases. Well, she wrote a parenting book, which, by the way, has nothing to do with family law. Co-wrote this book. She sent it out to local therapists. Now, therapists are the people who ultimately end up referring Um, their clients to family law attorneys when they're you know not able to resolve things so what happens she grew one of the largest family law practices in the area Uh, it was a great way for her to make contact with people who were going to refer her business so you certainly want to think in those terms when you're producing your book who it who is likely to refer business to you can you send them copies of your book Uh, Can your book feed you more clients for your coaching business or your consulting business? Does it make sense to send them out directly to prospects? Um, Are you trying to get in with the CEO at a big corporation and you haven't been able to get a meeting? Well, what if you mailed them a book? You know, that really sets you apart from the people that are doing the similar things than what you do. So there's just no question in my mind a book has such power to help you with growing your business.
1: Yeah, it sure does, and I'd like to talk a little bit about more about where to begin, and then we'll move on to building that audience and and marketing the books. And so, so let's say we have—I'm sure we do—have listeners out there who who are thinking, "Okay, fine, I'll write this book. I'll I'll uh, maybe hire a writing coach or or do it myself or what have you." But then, what do they do? Do I mean, is it best to try and pitch it? To, um, to an agent or to a publisher or just to go ahead and take the leap and self-publish? How do they make that decision?
2: Well, it really depends on your goals. And I'll tell you, the publishing world has shifted dramatically in recent mm-hmm. years. I know when I was starting, I really wanted that traditional book deal. And I hear that from a lot of people. They feel like it, it, it adds some legitimacy and, and you know, mm-hmm. they want to have that notch in their belt. And that's fine. If that is your goal, Um, By all means, you should pursue it, and there's a process to that. Usually, you do want to find an agent. Some of the um, mid-sized and smaller publishing houses will also take pitches directly, but most of the bigger houses want you to have an agent. They won't talk to authors directly. So, you know, the process is to send a pitch letter Agents um, tell them, you know, give them some insights about what your book is about. Get them excited, and then the next step would be they would ask you for a proposal, and you have to send a pretty meaty proposal. You're you're talking, you know, thirty plus pages with a synopsis of your book, with a competitive analysis. You're going to list five to ten competing titles and why your book is different or better than those titles. Mm -hmm. You're going to have your marketing plan, which is one of the most important factors that the publishers use in deciding to pick you up as an author. And, so it's, and you're going to give a couple of sample chapters. So it's quite a process. You can expect it to take a year or more um, to get the deal in the first place. And then once you have a deal, it takes another year for your publisher to get it on bookshelves. So be prepared wow. for a long and slow process. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you that, you know, the book advances have come down. It used to be you could fairly easily get an advance of $10,000 or higher for your book. And these days we're seeing them as low as $2,500. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the publishers, including one I've published with, are now requiring, if they offer you a book deal, they're going to require you to commit to purchasing five hundred to a thousand copies of your own book at fifty percent off of retail, which is outrageous yeah I mean, they 're making money off the authors, so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things wrong with traditional publishing by the way you 're going to earn about a dollar per book sold mm-hmm. that 's to me just hideous because you 're doing all the work no matter what. And you're gonna end up getting a dollar per book for your royalties. You have to earn book back that advance. So if they pay you a five thousand dollar advance, you won't see another dime until you've sold five thousand books and earned it back a dollar at a time. So there's a lot of, you know, nuances with traditional publishing. They they have all the power. They can change your title, they can change content in your book, they can tell you to remove chapters, they can give you a book cover that you hate. Um, you know, they have all the power. They can decide, they can offer you a deal and decide in six months that another book is more more important and your book is going to get delayed two years. Mm-hmm. There's just, so these are some of the factors that led to me deciding to return to self-publishing and a lot of big name authors are going that route as well these days. Mm-hmm. J.A. Conrad, Seth Godin, you know, there's just a bunch of authors who have gotten very turned off by this whole game of traditional yeah. publishing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I can even, in a small way, attest to what you've said because I've been approached by Wiley twice <clears throat> to write a book, and uh, you know they don't tell you upfront immediately that they expect you to purchase that many books, but it comes out over time, and and you know just my pride wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> I said, forget it. I'm going the self publishing route. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So so yeah, it just it's unfortunate. It is. It really is. Yeah. And, and they find people who have a platform and market to them. So, and it's it's a shame that they're marketing to people who have a platform because they have a platform, <laughs> you know. Um, right. Yeah. So... So that's that's interesting. So then we've only got a few minutes to break. But what what I'd love to go into next is is a little bit of a definition of self publishing, because I think there are a lot of people who imagine that, you know, they have to put the book together and take it to a printer and, you know, do everything themselves. And I don't think that's quite what you know, the meaning of it anymore. So talk to us a little bit about the real meaning behind self publishing nowadays.
2: Yeah, you know, it has it has changed and shifted over the years. The, the purest form of self-publishing is to get your own editor, get get a book designer, get an interior typesetter, um, get your own ISBN, set up a publishing company, imprint, get quotes from printers, get your distribution set up. So it's a lot of work. To produce the yeah, and that's why so many people are turning to what I call custom publishing—publishing publishing houses like mine that help people produce their books and get them done without having to do all that legwork.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is a lot of legwork, and if you're at all intimidated about writing a book, then you can <laughs> you can take it a few steps even deeper when you think about you know the learning curve in how to do everything that you mentioned. It's a lot. It's a lot.
2: It's a lot. No question. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. We're going to go into break pretty soon. So uh, I just want to let everyone listening out there know what this week's Inc. article is over at Inc.com. As you know, I author a weekly article. And this week we're talking about how to be a better leader online. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, being in, in, Being online nowadays has really opened the pathway for a different kind of leader. I mean, you no longer have to be at the helm, you know, CEO of a major corporation or, you know, anything like that. You can still influence people online. And so that's what the article is about this week and five ways of being a better leader online and influencing more people and building your reputation over at Inc inc.com slash marla hyphen Tabaka and it's the first story up this week so please go on over and check that out and let me know what you think we'll be back in just a couple of minutes
2: As we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects, it's a
1: program to pique your interest for sure.
0: People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to The Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's The Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And we are here today with the author of the nonfiction book, marketing plan, online and offline promotion strategies to build your audience and sell more books. And that is Stephanie Chandler. Stephanie. So going into break, you mentioned uh, custom publishers, Rather than a real uh, DIY project, which can be, I'm sure, a hair hair pulling project to, to learn, you know, not only well, you don't know what you don't know is the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, I would have had no clue that I needed all those things to publish a book. And so um, finding a custom publisher could probably also be a daunting task because how do you know a good one from a not-so-good one an experienced one from a not-so-experienced one and um, a fairly priced one from somebody who's going to gouge you i mean what do you what do you watch for and how do you do that homework
2: yeah you do have to be really careful um, you know some of the what i call big box publishers out there are really taking advantage of authors so some things to look for Um, before you get very far, find out how your retail price is going to be set for your book and how much your printed book is going to cost you. Um, This is one of the big issues that I see where the publishers are setting a retail price of $24.95 on a 150-page paperback book, Mm -hmm. um, which will limit your sales if, if that's something that's happening. Um, and also, you need to be able to make sure you can purchase your books at a reasonable cost. You know, a 150-page trade paperback book shouldn't cost you 7 to $10. Um, it should cost you, you know, 3 to $4. So those are big, important things to look for early on. Also, check to see if they have a long-term contract. It's appalling to me that some of these firms that you're paying to produce your book are going to try to lock you into a contract. You know, and that means if Random House comes along and offers you a million dollars for your book rights, you're not gonna be able to sell it to them. So oh make goodness. sure there's no long Yeah, it's frightening. Um and the other biggest issue that I see is the quality that's coming out of a lot of these companies. I mean, they're basically treating authors as commodities. They'll publish anything in exchange for a check. So they don't care about the quality of the books they're producing. That also means that your book is in company with books that maybe aren't, uh, you know, as high quality. But also look at some of their cover designs and pick up a couple of their books and check the editing on the books. Editing is very important that you have a clean, well-edited book. And a a handful of errors is expected, even from the biggest publishers. But if your book is laden with errors, if it hasn't been professionally designed, laid out, if the cover is a template, that's a problem and that's going to affect your sales. So these are all things to really look for. And finally, I would say contact authors who've worked with that publisher before you, you know, and contact at least three and ask them about their experience. What did they like? What didn't they like? What problems did they experience? How long did it take? Uh, Were there any surprises along the way? Because a lot of them, you know, hit you with, oh, by the way, that's going to cost extra. So um, those are some important things to look out for.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um, do you feel comfortable giving us a range in terms of what it costs to go this route?
2: Well, I, I mean, I can tell you you're going to see anywhere from 2000 to $30,000 for these wow. companies. Um, I can tell you from what we charge at Authority Publishing, it starts at 6000 and that's an all-inclusive rate um a lot of these companies piece it together beware cuz they're outsourcing overseas i mean it's frightening um to have your book edited by an overseas editor you know i'm all for for hiring the best labor and we use us contractors but um you know you really want to be aware of that and i've seen some just deplorable things coming out of and especially some of the lower-cost ones, they get you with that low price. But keep in mind, you're now with an imprint that everybody knows is a low-price imprint. You know, it's the cheap and dirty solution to get your book done. So you want to consider the credibility there. If you're going to go that route, if you're going to go with one of the low-cost low ones, get your own publishing company name on that book. Don't use their imprint because that's hurting your credibility. Does that make sense?
1: So, if you're using one of the low-cost ones, don't use their imprint. By their imprint, you mean their name, their brand. Their brand, that's right. Okay. Okay. You can and replace set it up so with so your that You own. have your
2: own publishing company name. Got it. And have a logo design, and make sure it looks very professional.
1: Okay, got it. I didn't know we had that option. Wow, such great information. Good. Okay, let's move on over for those of, of of you out there who either are in the midst of publishing or have already published your book. Let's talk about building that audience because as we said at the top of the show, that's critical. You don't have an audience, your book's not going to sell, period. So um, I know, Stephanie, that you started by by starting launching a blog and um, now a few years later that is such a competitive environment there are more blogs out there than they can probably count um, so let's look at that and and some other ways to get that audience built up
2: yeah so and it is competitive but I'll tell you I still believe the number one thing that anyone should do to promote their book or even their business is a blog Um, Blogs are incredibly powerful because Google wants to see fresh content on your website. So Mm -hmm. if you can get committed to blogging twice a week at a minimum, you're going to start getting more traffic from Google. People are going to start finding your website. It benefits your whole site. So they'll find your services. They find whatever else you're offering on your website. And today the benefit that we have that I didn't have when I was starting back in 2004 is we have social media to amplify that So the strategy for every author should be that each new blog post that you write gets shared across Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, and Pinterest. And you can repeat that sharing on Twitter. You can get so much mileage out of simply sharing your content on social media and building your audience that way that I really believe it's essential for every author.
1: Mm-hmm. And it is amazing with uh, with a system in place, and, and this has been my experience, you can grow, especially those Twitter followers and those Pinterest um, followers, you can grow that, that following so quickly if you really put your mind to it and use uh, tools like Hootsuite or, or one of those types of tools and, and get an automated system in place. So, um, and if you feel intimidated by that, just try one. Just start with, for me, Stephanie, I, I I, think Twitter. I mean, that's where I just get a ton of bang for my buck. Buck, what are your thoughts?
2: I, I agree. Twitter's my favorite of all the networks. I think it was made for authors. I mean, we're on right. Twitter looking for information. We're not there to talk about what we have for lunch. It's about finding news, you know, and look at the power that Twitter has had with Um, with breaking news and current events. And, you know, I was following people during the Boston bombing who were in the middle of all of that. And, you know, it's incredible how Twitter's changed the face of media and how, you know, I can get on there and search for somebody. I can search for a life coach on Twitter and find the coaches that are tweeting articles and things like that. So when you're sharing your content, Keep in mind that people are searching Twitter for information. They're searching for investment strategies. They're searching for publishing advice. They're searching for, um, you know, how to buy a home or, or how to make more money selling books. And so, when you're writing content about those things, blog posts, you're going to start showing up in Twitter searches too. And it, I promise you, if you get in this habit of blogging twice a week sharing your content, building your audience, and then you go look at your Google Analytics to see where your traffic is coming from, Twitter should be in your top three drivers of traffic. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it right and doing it well and being consistent, you're going to see Twitter drives a tremendous amount of traffic to your business.
1: Yeah, and I think under that doing it right category, people forget, and this is a very important piece of that strategy, is to remember that it's not just all about you and that you have to reach out to other people on Twitter and Facebook or whatever platform you choose and and make it about them quite a bit of the time, right?
2: Yeah, well, and share their content, follow Mm. them. You know, it's so frustrating to me that people don't follow others back. I I hate to see a company with 100,000 followers that's following 30 people. It sends the message that you're not listening to your audience. So um, I I do believe in following others and proactively follow the people that you want following you because what happens is those people will hopefully check out what you're about and in turn follow you back. And just this morning, I had a a phone call from a gal who runs a ghostwriting firm and she called because they want to partner with us and refer their clients to us for publishing and I said well how did you hear about us and she said oh you started following me on twitter about 6 months ago and i just fell in love with your content i've been following mm-hmm. you ever since yeah i mean the power of twitter is and all the social networks really combined is is amazing
1: yeah it really is and and it, it, just as that example is it's it's so um empowering to know how many people you're touching. I think, you know, I know because, excuse me, I was coaching before the inception of social media. And, uh, you know, I never got the feedback that I get now. And now I know how the how far reaching my my input is, my advice, my tips, my insights, because I'm always getting tweets saying, thank you so much for this article. i learned X, Y, and Z, or gosh, I read all your articles and it's, uh, this is what it means to me. And, and so you're also going to get that from Twitter, which I think is an important motivator.
2: Yeah, it's, it's nice to get the feedback. And at the same time, for every bit of feedback you get, Think about all the people who aren't taking the time to give you feedback but are benefiting, you know. And there's, you know, I don't know, a thousand times more of those people that aren't speaking up but are appreciating what you're doing. So it is very rewarding.
1: Yeah. We've got about a minute and a half till our final break, Stephanie. Let's talk for a second about Pinterest and about sharing that visual. How do you do that?
2: Well, my favorite strategy for Pinterest is to make sure you have photos attached to each of your blog posts and pin your blog, your blog post to Pinterest, pin the photo and create a board all about your blog make it a keyword rich board. And though Pinterest is a lot about home decorating and wedding planning, you'd be amazed how many people find your content on Pinterest because you've shared it there. Yeah. So yeah, I strongly I recommend that.
1: It's very powerful. I've coached more than one businesses that that have have made it because they've done that, because they've leveraged the visuals on Pinterest and done such a great, great, great job of it. So wonderful. Well, we are going into our final break already. I can't believe how fast this this time has gone. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Stephanie Chandler. And again, you can find Stephanie at Stephanie, that's with an IE, Chandler.com. And we'll be back in just a minute or two.
0: locking the secrets in you to create a happier more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power it's the million dollar mindset with marlin tobacca and we'll be right back after these get ready to live la bella vita with dawn catherine on Toginet.com. live la bella vita Check out her website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Togenet.com. Welcome back to The Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's The Million Dollar Mindset from Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And we're here with Stephanie Chandler. We're talking about getting that book in you out of you and out into the marketplace. So, Stephanie, let's let's take it offline now. So we've built our social media audience. We understand the importance of that. What are some other important marketing strategies to to get your book into the hands of, of readers and, and uh, people who could send you clients and offer you speaking gigs and everything else?
2: Yeah, well, one thing I love to do is radio. You know, what we're doing right now is a great way to reach people um, and a lot of authors don't get the power of reaching out to Internet radio shows. I mean, you booked me because my assistant reached out to you. <laughs> so mm, Exactly. Um, we do, exactly. We do that with every book release. So put yourself on a radio tour, you know, Internet and traditional radio. And I'll tell you what I've found over the years. Um, I prefer these Internet radio programs over The traditional radio, some, you know, these traditional radio shows may have a larger reach theoretically, but they might have you on for five or 10 minutes. You're, you know, I'm in California. I'm up at 4.30 a.m. taking calls, you know, on the East Coast during their commute hour. Um, And for five or 10 minutes, it's not really worth it. People are in their cars. They're not in a position to buy. So um, I love the Internet radio programs. You have a chance to go deeper with the host. They often have really good loyal audiences, Um, so that's one of the many ways you can promote yourself. You know, these days, um, bloggers have all the clout online, so reaching out to bloggers who reach your target audience, you know, see if you can write a guest post, see if they'll interview you, see if they want to give away some copies of your books. Um, That's another strategy. You know, bloggers get inundated, by the way, especially top bloggers. So you might reach out to some of the mid-level bloggers that maybe aren't as um, overwhelmed with requests and things like that. Um, try establishing relationships. See if you can offer something in return. You know, I, you know, I'd like to um, invite you to be a guest on my program or blog for my blog, and you know, try to create win-win situations when you can. And you know, you can get out there and pound the pavement. I, authors often tell me they immediately want to do book signings at bookstores and. That's one of my least favorite ways to sell a book. Um, you know books the, the typical book signing will sell about eight copies of your book, and for me, that's a lot of time to give up for a very small return. I'd much rather be the speaker and sell books at the back of the room at the, you know after the event is over. Am I totally overwhelming you? No, <laughs> like, no, I just turn not on the at fire all. hose. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, this is great information. And, and, you know, even those free speaking gigs where you're not getting paid, if you make sure and you have to make sure ahead of time, right, that you have permission to do this, that you have permission to sell the book in the back of the room, that can be a really great way to get that book out there and talk about buying it as a gift for someone and just really promote it a little bit from the stage.
2: Absolutely. And another way to build your business. I mean, you do want to use discretion in booking those free gigs, but all speakers do it. Even the, the top keynoters do free gigs now and then. And um, you can build your audience, sell books. It, it's And I'll tell you, our clients that sell the most books tend to be our speakers. They have a nice combination of that online presence and that physical presence with people. It, it's pretty powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to, to kind of put it into perspective, even with this, with this show... I notice that when someone who has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and and a, a really active Facebook page, you know, when they, no matter how popular they are, when they publish a book, they're reaching out to people like me to get on shows like this. So, you know, don't think that a, a online radio show or podcast is small potatoes you know because as you said earlier reaching out through this audience is is how people i mean i can guarantee you there are people listening to the show right now who are out there on twitter mentioning it and um it just can really spread it can really spread the word fast so so how do you find how do you find the shows? How do you find the people to approach, the podcasters to approach, and the blogs, the bloggers too? How do you find them?
2: Yeah, you spend a lot of time on Google, or you have your assistant, yeah. which is what I do, spend <laughs> a lot of time on Google <laughs> and and search for those keywords, search for um, you know the shows that reach your target audience. The cool thing also about the internet shows and the podcasts is that a lot of times they have a really niche focus. I mean, I've seen shows about how to sell on eBay, and, you know, parenting shows, and and single mom shows, and so there's just all kinds of cool niches, and even if the audience is smaller, those, that's your, if that's your ideal target audience, it's a great use of your time, so you get on Google, you find the shows, my experience has absolutely been that the, um, the hosts, the producers are thrilled to get pitches, and I'm, you could probably speak to this better than I can, Marla, but you want to have really succinct pitches. You don't have time to read pages and pages of information. Oh, you know, w- yes. we send over two to three paragraphs. Stephanie's available for this interview, and these are her topics, and you know, the, and it, that gets us plenty of bookings. Would you agree? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When when I see these really long press releases relating to something that's happening out there in the media and trying to tie it back, I mean, that's great if it can be done in one sentence, but, you know, what I want to see is why are you qualified to speak on this topic and, you know, what are you going to teach us? What are we going to hear from you? And that's all I want to see, bullet points, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and, uh, yep. I, get, I get so many a day that, honestly, I delete a lot of them without even looking past the headline. So the headline is really important. And I delete a lot of them based on as you said based on length. If it's really really long, I'm not even going there. I don't have the time.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it just looks more professional to keep it really succinct and mm-hmm. and the hosts need they need guests, right? You need guests, so you want the yeah. pitches. You want really good, succinct pitches from people who look like they know what they're doing (laughs) and have some experience.
1: And, and the other tip that I would give is, is to pay attention to who the audience is. And I get this a lot, especially with uh, my ink articles, you know, everybody wants to be an ink. That's great. That's fine. But, if you're pitching, I work really hard writing to that audience and I love my audience and I respect my audience and I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that audience. And so I write to small business owners and solo business practitioners and such. If you come to me talking about releasing your new line of peanut butter, you know, and it's totally not related to who I write to, then that, you know, I find it offensive. Don't waste my time. You haven't even looked at my work. You don't know who my audience is. Don't do that. You know, you're going to actually create enemies that way. So really look for shows who speak to your audience take a moment to listen to a little bit you don't have to listen to the whole show but just a little bit of the show look at the topics get to know the person a little bit and then pitch
2: yep you know? that's great advice
1: yeah so important so stephanie what have we not covered what more do we want to leave the audience with in terms of especially in terms of marketing the the book that you have inspired them to get out of them <laughs>
2: Well, you know, the the big message I always like to leave people with is that this process, the whole book publishing, book marketing thing, it is a marathon. It is not a race. And what happens with a lot of authors, new authors, is they put all this time and energy and, and money into producing their first book, and it's all very exciting. And, and the book comes out, and then the frenzy fizzles, and they go, uh, uh, now what, you know? And I actually have a term for it. I call it author postpartum because then the depression sets in, right, of now what do I do? And the book's not selling and the ranking's dropping on Amazon and, you know, what do I do? And so, you know, my advice would be to stick with it and not get discouraged. You know, the book marketing stuff takes daily effort and you know, I like to compare it to gardening if If you were to walk out in your garden and plant three seeds every day over time, you would have this spectacular garden and the book marketing is the same thing. If you can do three things every day to further that cause to to get the word out to reach out to a new contact, whatever it is over time, that is really going to grow for you so don't put all this pressure on yourself that it's all got to happen immediately it's a long term commitment. Um, and, and it's really worthwhile if you stick to it.
1: Yeah, it is. And the three things a day is such a great, great tip. So Stephanie, tell us, if, if you were starting your authoring career over again, what are one or two things that you would do different? What can we learn from, from your mistakes, if you will?
2: Well, I think the first thing that pops in my mind on that one is, is choosing a niche focus. Um, which I've definitely learned with time. But, you know, my first book was a business startup guide, a general business startup guide. And it did well. I got lucky with that book. But if I could do it over again, I probably would have narrowed the niche focus of that book. I had another book called Leap 101 Ways to Grow Your Business. Great book. I get great reviews from people. But it never really it, – it's never sold as well as it should have. And its I'm convinced it's because – it's not a niche. It should have been 100 ways to grow your, your consulting business or your service business because that's really my audience today. But, um, you know, if you can narrow that focus and, and some people are afraid to have a niche, they're afraid that leaves people out, but it actually attracts more people in if you're really focused. So I would say that's the biggest thing. Know your niche. Be really clear about that and don't be afraid to narrow that because it's going to bring you more business in the long run.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tells you exactly who to market to, which sure makes it makes it easy. So the nonfiction book marketing plan, when did you release that book?
2: That just came out last month. And it's an example oh. of a niche, a niche book, right? Because I could have just made it the book marketing plan. But then I would have had to address the children's book authors and the fiction authors and the poetry writers. And, you know, it's very mm-hmm. different to market nonfiction. And so yes. I decided that's my niche. And I'm sticking with that niche. And it really helps me connect better with my readership.
1: Awesome. Well, we have just a, a minute or so left here in the show, it, but I want to know a little bit more about your Nonfiction Writers' Conference. When is it, where is it, and how do we find out more? Oh,
2: thank you. Yeah, it's nonfictionwritersconference.com. It's an annual three-day event. We do it in May, so it's past this year. But it's completely online, 15 speakers over three days. This year we had Dan Pointer, Guy Kawasaki, just some amazing people. It's a phenomenal event. People love it. Um, I love putting it on every year, and that ties in nicely with our newly, you know, new nonfiction authors' association. So we're having a ton of fun. We have a free membership level over there too. So I hope um, your listeners will will join us. You know, we're on a crusade to to empower nonfiction authors. It's just such a fun career to have.
1: Mm -hmm. yay well stephanie chandler it has been delightful having you here on the million dollar mindset thank you so much
2: Thank you, Marley. It's been a treat. You're a great interviewer.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you make it easy, girl. <laughs> so, And join us here next week on The Million Dollar Mindset. Is We are here every single Monday. I'm looking forward to that. Please make sure to hop over to Inc.com and check out how to be a better leader online. If you want to influence more people and build your online reputation, there are five ways there in this week's article on how to do that. And that absolutely positively ties into today's show and the importance of building your following and uh, influencing people and being trusted by your audience. That's what you want. And you'll learn a little bit more about that over there. We'll see you again here next week.